0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley
1: Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people.
0: Uh, If we haven't met, my name is Travis, and uh, I'm going to take the next little bit of our service just to share some things from God's Word that I think will really encourage you and hopefully really bless you as well. And to do that, I'm going to start in the Scriptures by reading what is a beautiful beautiful passage of scripture from psalm 139 and you're welcome just to allow these words to wash over you this is king david writing this celebrating this truth where can i go from your spirit god where can i flee from your presence if i go up to the heavens you are there and if i make my bed in the depths you are there too If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Beautiful verses, celebrating a beautiful truth that God is with us that God is with us. Um, If you were here last week, uh, we shared, I guess, our game map for the year ahead and there was lots in there, lots of noise, lots of things, lots of uh, ways we want to kind of push in and grow uh, as a community of faith this year. Uh, And next week, we're going to jump into the book of Matthew leading up to Easter and there's going to be a bunch of activity and some great stuff happening there as well. Uh, But earlier in the week, I just had this real sense that we just needed to pause, have a little breath moment before we rush to the next thing and actually dwell in this idea of God's presence, and that God's presence is with us. And in order to be attentive to God's presence and aware of his presence in our lives, we actually need to create space to do that, don't we? Space in our lives and space in our life together. And so that's what tonight really is, space to respond to his presence with us. I don't know about you and I don't know your experience of the God who is with us. But for me, there's something just wonderfully unique about encountering this God who is with us, something profound and beautiful, deeply personal, something that transforms me every time I do. And so tonight, that's exactly what we're going to do. Has anybody heard of breath prayers? One person, two people, three people? Hands, no? Good. <laughs> well, I'd love to introduce you to a, a little one. This is Christians have been practicing this for, for centuries and centuries and centuries. This idea of just simple, short, repetitive things that we tie to an, an inhale and an exhale that actually centers us in truth um, and sometimes the truth that God is with us. And so I actually want to do that together um, to start the message tonight, to actually recognize that God is with us, just as King David has celebrated. And so it goes very simply like this, as we breathe in, we go, God is with me, because he is. And as we exhale, and he delights in being with me. Do you believe that? He delights in being with us. He created us for relationship. He sent his son to restore us to relationship. He sends his Holy Spirit into our life so that we are in relationship. He's not just with us, but delights in being with us. And sometimes I think it's really easy to believe that for others, yes, God is with them, <laughs> or God is with us collectively, and actually not personalize it and recognize that God is with me. Wherever I go, whatever circumstance I find myself in, he is there right there with us. And so I'd actually love to do this together. Um, So I'm just going to lead us through this, and we're going to do this seven times, because why not? Uh, Seven is a biblical number of completion, and uh, sometimes you need to repeat something to allow that truth to move from here down into here and to allow the Holy Spirit to confirm it to us. So you're welcome to say these words along with me, whisper them under your breath, pray them in your heart. But this is some space to recognize that we're not just learning about that God is with us, but that we're experiencing and responding to the truth that God is with us. You up for it? Cool. Let's do this. So as you breathe in, just say with me, pray with me. God is with me. And he delights in being with me. God is with me. He delights in being with me. God is with me. He delights in being with me. God is with me. And he delights in being with me. God is with me. He delights in being with me. God is with me. He delights in being with me God is with me. He delights in being with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight that each one of us might have an experience of your nearness and your realness, your closeness, your presence with us. We'd recognize this is not just theology for us to understand or discuss when we're at church, but this is a true reality in our lives. God, your presence is everywhere. Help us be more aware of it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight as we dwell in this idea that God's presence is with us, I want to take you to one encounter, just an example of an encounter that one person has of the presence of God and just one moment uh, in their lives. Uh, It's a very famous passage, maybe some of you are aware of it. If you don't, no worries, we're going to explain it as we go. But it's the story of Isaiah being swept up into this vision and encountering the presence of God in Isaiah chapter 6. Now, for a little bit of context, Isaiah is a prophet. So he's somebody who speaks to the people of God to point them to God and to always encourage them to walk with God. And part of that unique vocational calling uh, is that he's called to speak truth to power, particularly the king over the people of God in the Old Testament. He's called to speak truth to them so that their hearts would be right with God and that they would lead from that place of authentic relationship with God. Uh, And we read um, in this, in just a second, part of the context is is that a king has just died. So a king that Isaiah would have journeyed with, that he would have prayed for and prayed with, that he would have spoken to has died. Um, And he's been king for a long time, King Uzziah, king for 52 years, significant amount of time, significant amount of security and stability for the people of God. And I don't know if you're familiar with your Old Testament, but there are some pretty average kings in the Old Testament, Uh, guys who just do not do right by the people, do not do right by God, who flake out and do all manner of things. This guy is one of the good guys. He's one of the good guys. He honors God. He he looks to God. uh, But at the end of his life, he just has this moment where pride and this sense of uh, his own kind of worth just gets gets a little bit too much, and he oversteps the bounds that God would have for him, and there's some judgment, and his life is actually cut short. And so Isaiah is in this place of being like, oh man, this disappointment, this disillusionment in in the king. Probably a whole bunch of questions around, God, how would you allow this? Where are you at work in this situation? Maybe he's even got some really hard questions for God. God, was it fair the way that you treated him when he acted that way, given that he had decades of being so faithful? But into this place, uh, yeah, Isaiah is caught up into this vision, this encounter, this experiential encounter with God through this vision. Maybe you have your own reasons for needing an encounter with God tonight. And whatever those are, I pray that you'll draw some encouragement from this story. And so we read Isaiah's account in his own words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, I saw God. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim that's angels, with six wings. Pretty crazy creatures, right? And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, now this passage, this vision, this experience that Isaiah has is full of really rich symbolism. A throne means that God is in control, that he is the king, that even though these things are happening in the world, that God is still in control in that place of authority, in that place of power. And he's high and he's lifted up, he's majestic, he's worth praising and glorifying and responding to. The the, The train of his robes speaks to his royal status and his power, really strong symbolism. And as Isaiah is swept up into this, as Isaiah encounters the presence of the Lord through this vision, uh, he gets to see God as he really is. Has anybody jumped off like a really, really high thing into a body of water? Yeah, a couple of you have? All right. I'm a chicken. So when I was a teenager, um, we used to walk past this outdoor swimming pool uh, kind of near where we lived uh, every now and again. And so you kind of look at it you know, from, from this angle, you know what I mean? For, from a bit of a distance and you see people jump off it and you're like, I got that. I could do that. That's not that high. That looks fine, right? From a distance, you start to kind of minimize it. You start to put in your mind what exactly it is and you're like, I'm sure I could do that. And you know where this story is going, don't you? Well, one day we actually went to that swimming pool and you walk up the stairs and you stand on the top of that tower and you look down and all of a sudden you're like, nope. (laughs) You're struck by the reality uh, and the size and the magnitude of the height and the jump into the water. I think for Isaiah, this is a little bit what's happening for him. This is a God-fearing man. This is a man who loves God, who's devoted his life to following God. But as he sees, as he's caught into this encounter with God, he actually sees God as he really is. Um, This holy God, this powerful God, this God who's high and mighty, exalted, lifted up. I think it's a great reminder for him, and it's a great reminder for us, not to domesticate God. Uh, Not to try and put him in little boxes. Not try to go about our lives without much reference to him or or taking him for granted. But these times when we get to encounter him, see him as he really is, there is just uh, in this this heartfelt response of wanting to glorify him. Of wanting to worship him. Of wanting to lift him up. And not project onto him our sense of right and wrong or what he should be doing or what he shouldn't be doing. But just actually be in awe that this is the God who is with us. And we see this in these angels, don't we? Wild creatures, these seraphims. Six wings, two wings covering their face because God is so holy. Holy. Two wings covering their feet, like in the same way that you'd put a bunch of like, common stuff at home away in cupboards when you have special guests. Like the, it, it, that's the idea, this humility that we don't want God to see the, the, the mundane parts of our body. And these two wings that are just ready to serve Him. And there is just this never ending response of praise and glory holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and at the sound of their voices Isaiah records that the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke again symbolism tangible that God's presence dwelt in that temple and so you get this sense that Isaiah is having this vision and he's kind of standing at the, at the doorway of the temple. He's in those gateposts, kind of looking in and seeing what's going on in there. And as these angels are singing these praises and these glories of this great and glorious God, like he's noticing that, the, oh my goodness, the doorway that I'm in is actually shaking and is trembling so powerful is the voices of these angels in worship of the one who is far greater than even them. I love this quote from a guy called Sam. He says, he reminds us that <laughs> whereas Isaiah saw a vision of a temple, a kind of very Old Testament imagery, that we are now the temple of God, those in whom God dwells by his Holy Spirit. And he asks us the question, well, if the inanimate structures of the old covenant trembled and shook at God's presence, well, then what is our response? We in whom this same glorious and holy God now lives. How can there be the slightest indifference or coldness or routine or mere ritual or mindless habit in our worship when this same God lives and abides in us? So Josh, Marcia, Liv, I'm going to invite you up because I feel that we need to respond to this great and glorious God. How can there be the slightest indifference or coldness or routine or mere ritual or mindless habit in our worship when this same God lives and abides in us? And so we're going to grab a bridge from a, for an old song. Hopefully you know it. And recognizing that the God who Isaiah saw in his vision is the same God who is with us and delights in being with us right now, We wanted to stop and actually respond, to give praise and to lift him up. I'm going to be bold. If you really want to lift up God, you're welcome to actually kneel down in this song and just uh, pour out a little bit of heartfelt praise and glory. If you want to sit there and reflect, you're welcome to. Um, If you want to close your eyes and allow these lyrics to wash over you because you're not familiar with them, that's fine too. We're just going to take two minutes, three minutes, like the angels and like what Isaiah does, she is declare that God is holy and to be praised. Declare with the angels that you are holy, holy, holy. There is no one like you. Your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. We humbly and joyfully submit and surrender our lives to you, seeking to put you first above all things. God, would you have your way in our lives and in our church? Amen. It does something good for you, I think, to actually recognize that God is with us and to respond to him. You know, encounters with the living God, I mean, it's exactly what we said. You know, there is this sense where we actually see God for who he is, but we also get to see ourselves for who we truly are as well in his presence. And so Isaiah's experience of God in this moment continues And he becomes very aware that if God is holy, well, uh, he is not really. And so he declares, woe to me, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. It's this idea that the things that bubble forth from my heart and overflow um, with words, uh, they don't match the holiness of this God that I'm seeing before me. And he's so acutely aware of the gap there. And there's this beautiful interaction, if you know the story, where an angel comes to bring cleansing and to bring forgiveness so that he can feel comfortable and confident in the presence of this powerful God. And I think this is a really important and beautiful part of this interaction because I think for most of us, when we have a sense of guilt or maybe when we have a sense of of shame, our tendency is actually to run from God or to hide from God, to not, not go to him at all. But you don't see Isaiah being like, hang on a minute, I just need to duck out, tidy up my life, sort my life out, and then come back when I feel ready. But there's actually a moment where God provides the answer. Uh, And obviously this is a foreshadow for what Jesus will do for each and every one of us. And so I love that there is this sense that as we encounter the presence of God, truly, each of us for ourselves, that we see ourselves as we really are, but we're also transformed in his presence. Does that make any sense to anyone in this room? Yeah, awesome, awesome. It has been my experience over many, many years that this is true, that one minute of God's presence can accomplish more than 20 years of striving. So I don't know how this works for you, but this is how it works for me, that there will be these moments in my life where I've been maybe avoiding, or it's been too long since I've actually stopped and given space to genuinely encounter God in my life. And I'll get to this point where that spirit is prompting me, come on, Travis, come on, Travis, come on, Travis, stop, stop, and actually just soak in and connect with me. And I actually do that. And it's like all the world then slows down. It's like I've been kind of running on adrenaline, going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, but it all slows down in my mind and in my heart so that I can actually give space to connect with Him. And a little bit like Isaiah, often the first thing I feel is a level of conviction by the Holy Spirit that, uh, why didn't you do this a lot earlier? Um, that's just, no, maybe that's just me. Um, but then you get to experience God and experience His love and His mercy. Sometimes His guidance or His direction. Uh, Sometimes there'll be things that that I'll need to do or people I'll need to ask forgiveness of. There is this moment where I feel like I'm being transformed in his presence, that in his presence there is healing, there is restoration, there is redemption, there's guidance, there's direction, there's conviction. These are the things, the fruits, the things that flow on from encountering the living God in our own lives. And it's something that is so precious to me, and it's why I'm kind of, we're trying to push into this a little bit this year to, to help us not just know things about God, not just gather together to discuss theology about God, but to actually go to him, experience him, respond to him personally as the God who is with us and the God who delights in being with us. And in that, that exchange, there is this lovely thing where you always leave wanting to track closer with God. And wanting to bring him glory in your life. I I really hope that our Sunday services do that. That you come in and you walk out just that little bit wanting more of God. Wanting to live for him as you head into your weeks. Because this is exactly what we see uh, Isaiah do. In this place he's like, man I just want to serve you God. And there's this invitation from God saying, well who am I going to send? I've got this message, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah, is perfectly positioned, having worshipped, having kind of responded to the presence of God to say, that's what I'm about. I want to make much of you in my life, God. I will go. Send me. When we encounter God's presence, we desire to live worthy of him. Lives that bring him honour and glory. Because we know him and are known by him. We love him and we are loved by him. In my family, I've got two, two young kids, um, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and we do something called special time. Uh, so we are always around our, our kids. Our kids are offering in our presence. We do tasks together. We play together. We do all this stuff. Um, but my wife, she's very deliberate about reading all this stuff about parenthood, about how you can be the best parents you can be. And one of the things that we've implemented is, is this thing called special time, where it's just one parent with, with one child, uh, and, it's, and it's on their terms. So oh, I get to spend time with my son or my my daughter are uninterrupted, that the timer's on so they know they've got it, I've got, they've got my full attention, we're not going to do a task, we're not going to do something that I want to do, uh, they are in charge of that timer, creating space to connect deeply with one another on their terms, on their agenda. So a couple of months ago, I'm having special time with my son, um, and for whatever reason, I think I was really tired, maybe I was a bit stressed out, I don't know, whatever it was, but I find myself uh, in his room, he's playing, he's setting the agenda, and I keep reaching for this thing. I don't know if I was responding to text messages, I don't know if I was checking emails to see if I got a response to that email. I don't know if I just didn't have the emotional capacity to be fully present in that moment. I was just mindly scrolling Facebook. I can't actually remember what I was doing. But I remember kind of doing it a couple of times. We'd play a little bit, oh, play a little bit. Oh. And then my three-year-old, this is my son, my three-year-old, he reached out his hand towards my phone, and he says, Daddy, put the phone away. How do you think I felt? <laughs> A little convicted, right? But he wasn't trying to be a parent in that moment. The roles weren't reversed. He wasn't trying to be some kind of behavior policeman, trying to tell me what I could and couldn't do. What he really meant, if he had the words to go along with it, was, Daddy, put your phone away. I want to spend time with you. Daddy, put your phone away. I want your full attention. Daddy, put your phone away. I want you to be fully present with me. Daddy, put your phone away. I love you. I love you. And I think there's something in that for us tonight. God is a God who continues to be with us, with you. (laughs) I feel like tonight he's saying to us, put your phone away, whether that's literally or metaphorically. Put away the things that keep you distant. Put away the things that keep us at arm's length. Put away the things that keep you slightly closed off or not connecting at all because I love you. I want to connect with you. I want you to be present with me, fully present with me because I love you. invite you into a time of communion now. This is a chance to remember what it costs for us to experience God in this way, that Jesus Christ laid down his life on the cross so that there would be no barrier between us and him, so that we can be these temples that are filled with his Holy Spirit, So that we can say with King David, there is nowhere where we can go. There is nothing, no circumstance we can experience where God is not there with us. So I pray for each of you. And I pray for myself as well. That we would draw close to him. That we would make space for him. That we would respond and encounter to the living God. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for your great love for every single person in this room. God, you created them. You know them by name. And your desire is for the richest and most intimate of relationships with them. Father, forgive us, I pray, for the times where we've been slow in coming to you, where we've allowed the busyness of our lives to crowd out special time, Uninterrupted time just to connect with you. Forgive us for the times where we've, oh man, we've acted on temptation and we've persisted in sins that we know keep us separate from you. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to know that you are truly with us. Always. For us to experience and know you and encounter you always. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.